Hi, this is Bill Woods up here in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I wanted to talk to you today about compromise is hell's malignancy. You know, sometimes uh, we're supposed to compromise and stuff, but never on our convictions. Never are we to compromise on the things that are precious to God, and we want to be full-fledged on that. I read from Psalms 14, one, or excuse me, Psalms 141.4, don't let me drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, temptation comes when our own desires, which entice us and drag us away, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. One of the biggest tools that Satan has is compromise, getting Christians to compromise on their convictions, getting Christians to back down on the things that they know God wants in their life. I remember when I went off to college, one of the things that I promised my grandma because she was afraid that maybe I would get some wrong teaching is that, Grandma, I know what I believe. I know it stands in the Bible. And unless somebody can prove to me that what they're saying is in the Bible that I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to change my thoughts. I gave the same advice to my grandson, uh, Ryder, who right now is in college. You know, one night an old Arab was sitting in his tent eating figs by candlelight. He had a bag, bag full of them. He'd pull a fig from the bag, hold it near the candles to examine it. Oops, that one had a worm. He threw it aside and grabbed another fig. That one had a worm too. He threw it aside and grabbed another. This happened several times. Each time he found a worm or a bug in the fig, uh, he'd throw it aside. The pile of discarded figs grew in, in the corner of the tent. Finally, he solved the problem. He blew out the candle and enjoyed his figs in the dark. What a picture of today's Christian. Some are saying, oh, that isn't me because I wouldn't close my eyes to sin and let down on my convictions and standards for anything. Well, what about your prayer life? What about witnessing? What do you watch on TV and your language? Do you recognize sin and does it bother you like it used to? Uh, I've told this story before, but it fits right here. When we lived in Grand Coulee, Washington, there was an old spider that uh, lived on the stairs going down into the basement. And every time I would go down the basement, I had an office down there, that spider would uh, run away, crawl underneath something in the stairway and stuff. And, and I noticed that each time I went down, he got slower in his retreat. Finally, he got so used to me that he just sat there. Oops, that was his mistake. Because all of a sudden, he no longer existed. I stomped on him. You know, today we've gotten so used to sin and are so uh, calloused that we don't even recognize the danger. Things once recognized as blatant sin are being embraced by Christians today. To stand against sin is now politically incorrect. It's easier to shut our eyes and pretend nothing's wrong while sin is flaunted all around us. October 21st, 2020, Pope Francis softened the stand of the Catholic Church on homosexual lifestyles 
and announced, Who am I to judge a gay person uh, of goodwill who seeks the Lord? You can't marginalize these people. Pope Benedict XVI formally barred men from what the Vatican deemed uh, deep-seated homosexuality from, he didn't let them enter the uh, priesthood. They were barred from that. I believe the reason that Pope Benedict was retired and exiled is because he was too conservative in his views for modern Catholics who want to be a 21st century church. It's shocking to see the Catholic Church moving this way. Even more shocking is seeing the mainstream evangelical church, the Christian churches, lowering their standards to accommodate the world. Once Christians begin to compromise their convictions, there's no place to stop. I've uh, always in, been intrigued by the story about the camel's nose. So let's go back to the desert and visit our Arab in his tent again. On a very cold night when the Arab had gone to bed in his tent, his camel came to the door and asked to be let in. It was cold, and the camel was tired of standing outside the tent. He wanted to come in and get warm with the Arab. The tent was very small. There wasn't room for him, and the Arab said he'd have to stay outside. But I'm so very cold, the camel complained. Won't you let me put my nose inside the flap of your tent? That's all I ask, just my nose. Let me put my nose inside and, and get it warm. Then I'll be happy. My nose is the coldest part of me, and I must get it warm or I'll get dreadfully sick. Well, by the time he finished talking, his nose was inside. Well, certainly, thought the Arab, there can't be much harm in that. His nose will take so little space. I guess we won't be too crowded. He said nothing to the animal. But once his nose was fully inside the tent, the camel wasn't satisfied and decided to go farther. This is a great help. Thank you, he said to the master. But it would be so much better if you'd let me get my whole head inside. My nose feels better, but my head's pretty cold. It won't take up much room. I'll just push it through the tent flap. My ears and my eyes, my jowls are so cold, I can't stand it unless I can put my head inside the tent. Well, the Arab consented, and the camel had his whole head inside the master's tent. After the head came the neck, after the neck came the shoulders, after the shoulders came the hump and hind quarters, and then the tail. Before the poor Arab knew what was happening, the whole body of the greedy camel was inside the tiny tent. The tent was so small that the huge beast began to holler, You were right! There isn't room for both of us in here, so you'll have to get out. The Arab went into the cold because there wasn't room in the tent for him and his camel. He started by just letting the nose, and before long he knew it, or before he knew it, the whole camel was inside and he was out. You know, that's the way evil and sin come into our lives when we decide to compromise. The Arab never intended for the whole camel to come into his tent. He just let the animal put his nose in, and before he knew what he had done, he found the whole beast was in and he was out. We never intend to let wrong and wickedness and evil into our lives, but sometimes we just let the nose in, and before we know 
what's happening. The whole beast is inside. We see that happening in our nation right now. The United States of America used to have higher moral standards. Then in the 1960s, the Bible and prayer was thrown out of the school classroom to accommodate the atheists led by Madeleine Murray O'Hare. The Ten Commandments all of a sudden can no longer be displayed. Well, of course, that's reasonable. It wouldn't be good to tell students not to steal, kill, or be sexually promiscuous because it might warp their personalities. I won't get it, go into all the consequences of that decision, but by letting that nose in and kicking God out, our nation has deteriorated until we're basically destroying ourselves now. Our once respectable government leaders have morphed into self-centered lunatics, pushing the killing of babies still in the womb, pushing sexual perversion of all kinds, uh, being money-grabbing, gun-grabbing, freedom-destroying fiends, wanting to turn our once great nation over to Marxism, which from... Uh, you know, we will never recover if we go that direction. We need to take a stand and say, enough. They're allowing millions of illegal immigrants to invade our borders. We can't sustain the pressures this is causing. Now, don't misunderstand. I am for uh, people coming into this nation through legitimate means, but not without some control on who is coming in and why. The nation has become divided and is more interested in meism than being one nation under God indivisible. It makes self the final authority rather than the scripture. Most of the reason we're in this mess is because the church compromised years ago and let down their purpose for existing. The church forgot their responsibilities to minister and allowed the government to assume their responsibilities. Sadly, it demonstrates how Christians have lied to themselves so long they can san uh, sanction the LGBTQ lifestyle, they can sanction pornography being taught in as sex education to our children, they can sanction the critical race theory being taught to our children and argue that this all pleases God. They say it shows a spirit of non-judgmental love that wants to make everybody comfortable. The churches and the Christian's job isn't to make people comfortable, but to make people holy. Romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 32 says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things God made, but not the Creator Himself, 
who is to be praised forever. Amen. Sounds so much like what's happening today. And it goes on. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result suffered within themselves the penalty they so richly deserved. When they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. They refuse to understand or break, and they break their promises and are heartless and unforgiving. They are fully aware of God's death penalty for those who do these things, yet they go right ahead and do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Well, all this compromise of standards and convictions causes this generation to be deceived rather than discern God's truth, rather than find God's way. It's a breaking down of all that has sustained this nation and made it the greatest nation on earth for 245 years. It's a story of compromising our laws and heritage rather than striving for the mind of God. Paul wrote Timothy about these days in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 through 4. He says, Preach the word of God. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. You know, the church that Jesus Christ loves hasn't lost its savior or uh, savor or its savior. It's the church that's redeeming rather than joining the culture around them. That's one thing that's kind of bothered me is churches sit in neighborhoods and don't even have a program to reach out and try to touch lives for Jesus Christ. They just build themselves in their four walls and sit there and, and congratulate themselves because they're so comfortable. Listen, it's not comfortable when we let people slip into hell. It's uh, church is committed to being faithful to the Bible rather than compromising convictions so you know it'll fit better into society. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Satan has a tool called compromise. He uses it to dull and whittle away your relationship with God. Don't let him use it on you, on your family, or in your church. This is no time to water down or compromise our relationship with God. It's time to shore up our conviction and live like God wants us to live 
and stop trying to see how close we can get to sin and still claim to be Christians. Don't forget Jesus Christ is coming for his church very soon and you don't want to be left behind. You know, a lot of people think they're on their way to heaven but will find they missed it. Too many people fall into the trap of thinking they're right with God when they have compromised and, and really are not living the way that God expects them to live. Jesus said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. Judgment will be a sad, hopeless day. Hebrews 12, 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. 1 Peter 1.16 says, You must be holy because I am holy. You know, there's a very sad story in the Bible. Matthew chapter 25, 31 to 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep in his right at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or, or when did we see a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I, I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your house. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Listen, don't just think you're okay with God. Know that you're in a right relationship with him. If you have some kind of sin to confess, confess it to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and to make you the person he wants you to be. Don't let Satan sucker you into missing God's best because you're doing good. Uh, Havasupai Indian boy was coming up out of the Grand Canyon when he met a rattlesnake. A rattlesnake said, please carry me to the top. 
the Indian boy said, no, you'll bite me. Snake said, I promise not to bite you if you'll carry me to the top. Finally, the boy compromised his beliefs, scooped the snake up, and put him in his pocket. At the top, the boy removed the snake from his pocket and put it on the ground, and immediately the snake coiled and bit him. The boy said, you promised you wouldn't bite me. The snake said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. You know, you can't compromise with sin and not get bitten. Snakes you might meet but that could bite you are bitterness and non-forgiveness, resentment, anger, hatred, lust. The list goes on. You say, well, I can't do anything about those feelings. They're natural. I've been hurt. You can't rid yourself of them, but Jesus Christ can if you'll confess them to him and let him clean out the snakes. You claim you're saved, but are you sanctified? The Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Listen, I want to pray with you. Dear Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll help each one of us to be awfully sure that we're walking the direction you want us to walk. It's so much pressure on us today to ask us to compromise our convictions, to ask us to let down on the things that we know you want us to do. Please forgive us. Please help us, Lord, to walk with you the way you want us to so that one day when we face you, which we all will, you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into those things that are prepared for those who love me. Don't let us come before you and hear you say, depart. I never knew you. What an awful thing because, Lord, if we miss heaven, hell is forever with no relief. We can't go there. Please help us, Lord, to take seriously our responsibility to you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I hope by this time next week, or at least the week after, I'll have a website that I can tell everybody about. But in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, remember my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. That's Reverend William W. Woods is what that stands for at gmail.com. My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. We'll be praying for you. And and we want to know that uh, you're getting along just fine. So God bless you.